Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. They do great work. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen, find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And my wife, Linda, will be joining us well. Linda Harden, the author of Greetings from Paradise. It is January the 4th, and on this day in 1965, in a State of the Union address, President Lyndon Baines Johnson laid out the, uh, for Congress a laundry list of legislation needed to achieve his plan for a great society. On the heels of John F. Kennedy's tragic death, Americans had elected Johnson, his vice president, to the presidency by the largest popular vote in the nation's history. The irony is they're there. Johnson used his mandate to push for improvements he believed would better Americans' quality of life. Following Amer uh, Johnson's lead, Congress enacted sweeping legislation in the areas of civil rights, health care, education, and environment. In 1965 State of the Union address, he heralded the creation of the Medicare Medicaid Head Start and the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the White House Conference on Natural Beauty. Johnson also signed the National Foundation for the Arts and Humanities Act, out of which emerged the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Through the Economic Opportunity Act, Johnson found a war on poverty by implementing improvements in early childhood education and fair employment policy. He was also a strong advocate for conservation, proposing the creation of a great legacy through preserving natural areas, open spaces, and shorelines, and building more urban parks. <clears throat> In addition, Johnson stepped up research and legislation regarding air and water uh, pollution control measures. Under Kennedy, then, Vice President Johnson led the uh, government's quest to develop American excellence in the sciences. As president, the ongoing technology race with the Soviet Union spurred Johnson to continue the vigorous national program of space exploration begun by Kennedy. During Johnson's presidency, the National Air and Space Administration achieved the extraordinary and unprecedented accomplishment of orbiting a man around the moon. Many of Johnson's programs remain in place and, of course, right now are just awful. Quite frankly, uh, they've done a lot to inhibit the growth and uh, uh, the, the, the uh, progress that we've made in a lot of areas. His legacy for a great society has been largely overshadowed shadowed by his decision to involve greater numbers of American soldiers in the controversial Vietnam War. Of course, it was because of the unpopularity of that war that he decided not to run for a second term. Well, the intensity spread uh, uh, on, of the Omicron variant and a backlog of cases from New Year's weekend has resulted in the U.S. health authorities tallying more than three times as many new cases as in previous wave of the coronavirus, over 1 million reported on Monday alone, about one in every 100 Americans will have been reported as positive case in just the last week. That's amazing, one in 100 Americans, according to Johns Hopkins University. 
On Tuesday, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris plan to meet with the White House Coronavirus Staff uh, response team to discuss a course of action as Omicron becomes more ubiquitous. <clears throat> I can only imagine what's going to come out of that meeting. By 7.30 p.m. on Monday, Johns Hopkins University data showed 1,042,000 more cases than the day before. It wasn't immediately clear that all states had reported in. That count in clearly includes hefty numbers of backlog cases. About a fifth of states reported infections on Sunday and about a third on Saturday. Still, the previous single-day record was about 591,000 cases set on Thursday. The preliminary total for Monday could drive the country to a weekly average of close to 450,000 cases per day. The average highest total for a whole week was 1.76 million. So that's really kind of unbelievable. I've heard that you know the filament in a light bulb burns the brightest when it just burns out. Maybe that's the case with coronavirus. We can help. Hope so. Uh, and more news about coronavirus. Governor Ron DeSantis said that the federal government hasn't given Florida the monoclonal antibody treatments it needs, and governors can't get supplies on their own due to the federal government taking control of the supply, and the lack of monoclonal antibody treatments is absolutely leading to people dying, said the governor. DeSantis uh, stated, I think that the monoclonals, that is absolutely leading the people to dying, because we saw when we put into the sites this summer in Florida to deal with the Delta wave, we kept tens of thousands of people out of the hospital. We saved thousands of lives by providing that treatment. So that should have been re replicated in all the states. But instead, the Biden and his, his cronies have done. They've seized control of all the antibodies. So yes, when we were in a pinch, I bought some myself. None of the governors are now able to do that because the feds have seized control so we're in a situation where we now are asked for 40000 more every week because I have been have people that I could help. They're holding on to it, and they're not distributing it in a way that we need to to be distributed. So the question is, of course, this political. Why is the federal government involved in uh, private supplies of uh, medical goods? Should not be, in my opinion. <clears throat> but nevertheless, Biden is inhibiting. Uh, the good health of Floridians, unfortunately. Now, here's a quote. When you get vaccinated, you not only protect your own health, that of your family, but also you contribute to the community health by preventing the spread of the virus throughout the community. And in other words, you become a dead end to the virus. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci faced the nation on May the 16th, 2021, just a few months ago. Negative efficacy it's the word used because every day more data suggests we are already in a vaccination twilight zone of all pain and no gain, just as with the lockdown, and it's tearing humanity apart. COVID fascism is the most serious human rights threat we've faced in our lifetime, and the latest science and data demonstrate that it's all about a build upon a false premise. While people turned out the news over the holiday weekend, many have missed the growing incontrovertible evidence that not only is there risk and zero benefit to taking any of the COVID shots, but there's actually negative efficacy against the virus. In other words, not only does it put you in a, on the hook for known and unknown short-term and long-term injury without stopping COVID, it actually makes you more vulnerable to COVID. And here's some, some proof of that. Here's some statistics. 96% of all Omicron cases in Germany 
are among the vaccinated. Omicron among, uh, among vaccinated outpacing vaccinated, unvaccinated by 28% in Ontario, Canada. In Denmark, 89.7% of all Omicron cases are, were among fully vaccinated. Just 25% of Omicron hospitalizations in the UK are unvaccinated. And 33 out of 34 hospitalizations in Delhi, in India, in a hospital there, were vaccinated. 33 out of 34. So vaccinated exponentially was more likely to get reinfected with COVID-19. A new preprint study from Bangladesh found that among 404 people reinfected with COVID-19, having been vaccinated made someone 2.45 times more likely to get reinfected with a mild infection, 16.1 times more likely to get a moderate infection, and 3.9 times more likely to be reinfected severely relative to some with prior infection who were not vaccinated. Those are shocking statistics. In other words, getting these vaccines statistically has made the risk higher for getting reinfected. Although overall reinfections were rare, vaccination was a great risk factor for reinfection uh, that comorbidities, where the comorbidities exist. Shocking information. Now here's the coup de grace. Uh, the head of the Indianapolis-based insurance company, One America, said that the death rate is up a stunning 40% from pre-pandemic levels among working-age people. Just let that settle in, 40%. We're seeing right now the highest death rates we've seen in the history of this business, not just to One America. The company CEO Scott Davidson said during an online news conference this week, the data is consistent along every player in the business, meaning other insurance companies. One America is a $100 billion insurance company that has had its headquarters in Indianapolis since 1877. The company has approximately 2,400 employees and sells life insurance, including group life insurance, to employers in the state. Davidson said the increase in deaths represents huge, huge numbers, and that it's not just elderly people who are dying, but primarily working-age people, 18 to 64, who are the employees of companies that have a group life insurance through One America. And what we saw just in the third quarter, we're seeing it continue in the fourth quarter, is that death rates are up 40% over what we had pre-pandemic, he said. Just to give you an idea of how bad that is, a three-sigma or one-in-200-year catastrophe would be a 10% increase over the pre-pandemic, he says. So 40% is just unheard of. Most of the claims for deaths have been filed, are not classified as COVID deaths, he said. What the data is showing to us is that the deaths that are being reported as COVID deaths greatly understate the actual death losses among working age people from the pandemic. It may not all be COVID or on, on, on their death certificate, but uh, deaths are up huge, huge numbers, he said. Now, this is very scary information. There's a lot more data that he, that he cites here, but I want to just cut to the chase here. The fact of the matter is that Robert Malone says it's starting to look to me like the largest experiment on human beings in recorded history has failed. And if this rather dry report from a senior life, Indiana life insurance executive holds true, then Reiner Fulmix's crimes against humanity push for convening new Nuremberg trials starts to look a lot less chaotic and a lot more prophetic. Scary thoughts. At a minimum, based on my reading, he says, 
one has to conclude that if this report holds and is confirmed by others in a dry world of life insurance actuaries, we have both a huge human tragedy and a profound public policy failure of the U.S. government and the U.S. health and human services system to provide and protect citizens that pay for this service. Let that settle in. Scary stuff. My favorite cartoon is one mouse said to the other, no, I'm holding off and getting the vaccine till I get the results from the human trials. <laughs> and that's exactly what this is. Scary stuff. The segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239 239- 252-4534. That's 252-3534. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, 
thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I understand the governor's going to be in town today. Yes, yes. He's uh, going to be at the Department of Health. Um, and I think, you know, he's been making, uh, you know, he's back on, on schedule, making tours around the state uh, regarding the uh, new strain of the virus and, uh, you know, the lack of some of the monoclonal antibodies that the federal government either, you know, withholding or whatever from Florida, at least that's the governor's position. So I think he's trying to urge uh, the Biden administration to release some of those uh, treatments to Florida. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me, makes me wonder why the uh, federal government has to get involved in purchasing those and distributing the antibody, m- monoclonal antibodies. It, makes, it seems to me that uh, that should be up to the states for those purchases. Well, I think that's, that's a, a part of the discussion. Um, it, we did that, you know, was it a year ago when, um, yeah, it was just last year about this time when we had the uh, surge of the Delta surge and uh, uh, Florida was one of the few states that was uh, procuring the monoclonal treatments and, and we had opened up uh, treatment centers all over the state and it was quite effective. And then other states saw that how effective it was and they started um, you know, acquiring them from the federal government as well. Um, I, you know, it's anecdotally though, from what I'm hearing, people that are are getting the uh, virus with the Omicron um, strain are not the ones that at least have been vaccinated are not getting as sick. And yep. I, you know, I'm, I'm maybe this is wishful thinking, but I, I, you know, I just read a book about the great influenza, uh, you know, back in the the 1920s and um the people that, you know that killed a lot of people and then the the flu which i guess is an outgrowth of the influenza is still with us but uh you know people aren't you know if they get flu shots or whatever aren't aren't dying from it so i i'm hopeful that you know if, if covid's going to be with us forever it will end up being like that where if you have and if you get shots or whatever you won't get as sick that seems to be what's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, we're actually seeing lines around the block in some locations like New York City of people who are just panicked with fear to get the uh, tests and so forth. Uh, okay. uh, uh, one way to look at this, t- to your point, is maybe the best thing that could happen is everybody contracts this thing and we develop herd immunity if we're just getting, you know, uh, symptoms. Of course, obviously, people who have repressed immune systems need to take a special care. but for others, maybe sure. just getting the virus and getting it out of the way and having a, a natural immunity would be good. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many theories out there. Uh, you, you know, people that um, people. It seems to me that when you look at the statistics, and I, you know, I get the ones that, that, that Naples Daily News, I mean, that uh, Naples Community Hospital puts out. The, the those that are the the sickest that are in the hospital are ones that were not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the thing you worry about. And, um, you know, I know it's a choice. Um, you know, I got vaccinated, had the booster, and I feel comfortable going out um, in public. Whereas there's a lot of people now that are, you know, masking up and everything because they're concerned about it. And, and it, there is a lot of um, maybe overreaction. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that's from the media uh, and hopefully – you know, maybe again, this is wishful thinking. It's uh, 
it, it's starting to, if not peter out, uh, lessen the severity. And, and, you know, and on the other hand, you still hear people going to the hospital. So, you know, and, and there are people that just wouldn't suspect. So it's one of those things. Yeah. One of America Life Insurance Company, the CEO came out with a report that he's seen a 40% increase in deaths among those between the ages of 18 and 64 in, uh, from his insurance company, he's validated this with other insurance companies. So, and it's unrelated to COVID. So, in other words, uh, the question is, why are so many young people dying at the between the ages of eighteen and sixty-four? One theory, and it's only a theory. I'm not jumping to conclusions here. Is that uh, this is uh, one of the byproducts of getting vaccinated if you're young? Really? That's yeah. Interesting. Well, do they? Yeah, and I had that's an I had not heard that uh, statistic. You know, I think I think in a couple of years we're going to look back on this. There'll be books written. There'll be uh, scientific journals. The AMA will come out, or the you know, with their their you know, some kind of definitive statement. And until then, we're going to have one theory after the other, and yeah, um, you know, people are still going to be uh, concerned unless until there's sort of a, a definitive. Uh, work produced as to what exactly occurred and, and, and what we should anticipate in the future. Uh, absolutely. So uh, your session is coming up. The legislative session is starting, I believe, next Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, to, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, we have our Tuesday. We have our organizational session, the House and Senate, and then the governor will uh, give his state of the state address uh, Tuesday. I think it's around 11-ish. And so people can watch it online. It's go to the Florida Channel uh, website, and uh, then you could watch the governor's State of the State address at that time. Uh, I think it'd be worth watching. He certainly has a lot to boast sure. about in terms of the 2021 results. He's, uh, in my opinion, it's been a great year for Florida, considering the circumstances uh, that we've been in. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he's done a yeoman's job and, uh, you know, very thoughtful. And we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. I hope this going to be a good session we you know obviously are going to have um our number one priority will be to get the uh, redistricting done and i think that'll be done early in session and then our budget and then let's see what else we do <laughs> you know it's kind of uh one of the reports i'm reading is that apparently the democrats are coming out on top when it comes to redistricting across the nation and i know that uh, we have very tight controls here in florida of it any comments on that it just was really disturbing well i, I again um I can't uh, speak for other states, but Florida, we have a great redistricting staff, great redistricting um, committees. Uh, Ray Rodriguez, who is from, um, uh, you know, he's our neighbor and a senator from uh, Lee County is our chair of redistricting, and he has been very careful and very thoughtful, and what we produce will be constitutionally valid, and uh, uh, the chips will fall where they may. And the initial uh, d- drafts of the maps where you look at them, they're beautifully drawn. And, and it's almost it's almost comical that it, it, before we even started, we had groups like the League of Women Voters, et cetera, who were saying, we're going to sue you because we know you're not going to be able to do it constitutionally. I mean, they actually <laughs> said that uh, out loud. And then we produced the initial maps and they're like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> they didn't know what to say because they were, they were done correctly. Yeah. And so they're, you know, they're just kind of, it, it's, it's sort of like they're eating their words, but they don't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state 
Senator. Well, I just genuinely appreciate your time here on the show, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen, find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more. Get tickets by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, how are you doing? Well, I am doing well. We all got through the holidays. We're looking at a new year. Hopefully, it will be better than last year. But I'm going to give you and our listeners five little easy things to practice to make each day more, more rewarding. So the first one is, do you know that we make, the average person makes 35,000 decisions every day? We make more than 200 decisions about food alone. How many? So 200? When I'm gonna, Did you 200 say? regarding just food wow. a day. Wow. So what I'm saying is you routinize your 
parts of your life that you can. I mean, it's no accident that like Steve Jobs and Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, they were the same thing. They wore, they wore, uh, still wear the same thing every single day. So take, eat the same thing for breakfast. Every morning, take those 200 decisions, reduce them by half, either choose not to eat breakfast every morning or eat the same thing. Well, so my first advice is eat the same thing every morning. Yeah. Keep the valuable brain power. So uh, I'm I'm kind of looking for kudos here, I guess, but I I actually do that. I have the same thing and have for well over a decade. The same thing every morning for breakfast. What is that? It's uh, Ezekiel bread toast with uh, almond butter. Oh, sounds good. It is good, and I, I just I never tire of it. It's delicious, and I think it's healthy too. Ezekiel, you know about Ezekiel bread? Uh, yes, it's uh, gluten-free. Well, and it's, it's high protein as well. I'm not exactly sure what the details. My, Linda takes care of all the details with that stuff. <laughs> she puts it in front of me. I eat it, so it's great. It's really, uh, really good stuff. How about you now? Do well, you eat the same thing for breakfast every day? No, I don't. So I'm going to try to follow my own uh, advice here and try to do that. The next one is schedule time to stand. Schedule standing time. We sit too much. Mm. So every, if you stand for just two minutes after every hour, they say it's associated with a 33% lower risk of death. So wow. move around. Wow. Move your booty. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one for me because I'm still recovering from back surgery in February. So I, I think that would help me a lot. I'll do that. Yep. Every two minutes, two minutes for every hour. Get, stand. Just stand. You can just stand. You can walk around, but uh, get off your butt. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> the next one is take a meditation break. Uh, and, you know, there's so much wonderful evidence out there that says if you meditate, even 10 minutes, take a mindfulness meditation break, and it reduces anxiety, depression, insomnia. Yeah. And I think that really works. Take, you know, take a t- personal time out. So how many times a day do you suggest that we do that? I think if I said it for more, once, try it once. Yeah. Do it for 10 minutes. Take baby steps. Yeah. And then maybe twice. Uh, either do it for 10 minutes or five minutes, but just start out and take a mental time out. Uh, actually, uh, do that as well. So <laughs> I'm doing okay. Well, that's pretty cool. So far, yeah, that's great. Two out of three. The fourth one is, uh, practice, it's called three good things. And I think this would be a neat thing to do over cocktail hour or with a spouse or somebody else, or just write it down. You could do a journal if you wanted to, but write down three good things that happen to you every day. Now I know they call it a gratitude journal, but I, I like the idea of three specific things. It could be eating, I ate a great sandwich. I took a walk at six in the morning, whatever it is, three good things that made your life better. Wow. That's a, that is an interesting thought. I've never heard of a gratitude journal, but that sounds interesting as well. Well, I think it's the same thing. Write down what you're gr- uh, grateful for that day. Hmm. So it, it, it is practicing the art of positive mental thinking. And gratitude. Yep. Either do gratitude or three good things that, that, uh, Gave you happiness. Well, this, these are helpful, Boo. Thank you. 
Any others? Well, and they're little. Nope. The last one is, which we probably probably doesn't relate to us too much, is uh, spend less screen time. Don't spend so much time looking at a screen, either your phone or your computer, but try to reduce your screen time and for sure re- get off your screens 30 minutes before you go to bed. Well, uh, actually, uh, I'm guilty of being in in front of a computer too long. I do a lot of exploring on the computer, of a lot of stuff, that, you know, especially in, in terms of preparation for the show. But I think that's a great admonition because it is addictive. It's habit forming. You just, uh, you know, yes. automatically pick up that uh, phone or uh, look at the computer and uh, probably doing less of that is better. You know, actually, there's a book called Deep Work. And I've forgotten the name of the author, but it's really interesting. And he says that we're so involved in just uh, the, the immediate response to what's happening at the time. It's almost like ADD or uh, uh, focusing on short-term things. We're going from thing to thing like a water bug. He suggests us taking some time every day to do deep work. In other words, go through the process of getting ready to do deep work and set aside an hour or two hours to just really get into one task without interruption, without computers, without phones, without anything. I think that's great. Yeah. You know, that's just like a real focused time. Um, Along with that is learn something new. I think too often our days are the same sort of thing. And they say that you know, everybody says, well, for Alzheimer's, you know, do puzzles, do the New York Times, uh, what is it, the crossword puzzles. But really, and I think that's all helpful, but learn something that makes you feel uncomfortable, that it's new. So what I'm going to do is I've downloaded an app. I'm going to learn Spanish. Wow. Good for you. Uh, that's, uh, you know, yeah. Foreign languages are like, it's like Teflon for me. It just, it just I can't take they them in. It, it's just not my bag. <laughs> I can't learn foreign languages. see, it's something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's forcing your brain to rework itself. It's, it's going down channels that it hasn't gone down before. And that's what stimulates the brain activity. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try it. I'm, uh, I'm already doing, I'm starting off with a half an hour every day um, learning Spanish. Hola. We be in classes, he too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, good. Well, so this these is- are the tips for a better life. And these are like baby steps. Just do little things. Well, I like it. I like it, Boo. It's just really helpful. If you can inculcate some of these new habits in your life, I think it will make for a happier life, especially things like uh, just moments of gratitude or uh, moments of reflection or guided, uh, I think you called it guided meditation. I think that's that's, Mm -hmm. really interesting. Boo Mortensen, it's like a box of chocolates. I never know what we're going to get, but it's always great. I just uh, genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Have a great day, Boo. Coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. Perfect product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you'll check it out. You can learn more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, the author of Greetings from Paradise. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government and New Year, New Year old problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big challenge. So, Seton, you wrote this column, Big Government's Dishonest Anti-Science Blockade of 5G Wireless. This is an important issue. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, let's go real quick. Let's go into why this is important. This is more than just an economic issue. Uh, Basically, the two countries in the lead on 5G are us, the U.S., and China. And the way it works globally is the country that gets there first gets to set the global standards. So obviously, we'd like that to be us rather than communist China. Mm -hmm. But they've been running into impediments all up and down the government food chain. Uh, You know, we've got local governments who want to charge. You know, they used to cite, you know, 5G is little pizza box antennas. 5G is, is, I mean, 4G was those big giant, you know, the towers. Mm -hmm. Well, they want to charge the tower fees for the pizza boxes. Mm. Because the government just sees this as an ATM, the local government. So that's a problem. Then at the federal level, of course, the government has possession of, of... they have possession of all the spectrum at the at the beginning, and then they started allocating it 
you know, auctioning it off, selling it to the private sector. Well, they still own about 60% of Spectrum. And by the way, Spectrum's a finite resource. So you, you know, it's not infinite. And not all of it is as good as, uh, you know, it's like a monopoly board. Some mm-hmm. of it's Boardwalk and Park Place. Some of it's Baltic and Mediterranean Avenues. Mm-hmm. You know, there's varying degrees of quality of what you can do on different swaths of Spectrum. Well, the government owns a lot of it, about 60%, and a lot of it is really good Spectrum, mm-hmm. which will be really key to getting us ahead on 5G. And, of course, these various agencies don't want to give it up. Mm. They're holding on to it. They, you know, every time the Defense Department, we go to them, and then, of course, shocker, they're not using it very efficiently. You know, the, the private sector has done this amazing job over and over and over again of building these giant, complex networks on really thin swaths of spectrum, relatively speaking, right. with advances in technology and research and, and all that. The government has large swaths of beachfront real estate, and they've got gas stations on them instead of condos. I mean, they're, they're not using it well. Yeah. It's very good spectrum. It's waterfront spectrum, and they're not using it well. They could very easily clear a lot of it you know, by, by consolidating what they're doing onto smaller swaths of spectrum and, and then selling what they've cleared to the private sector to, yes. to advance our, our 5G stuff. Well, they're fighting us every step of the way. And for several years, we had the Department of Transportation. They'd gotten a big swath of really good spectrum 20 years ago, I, I, I'm thinking, to, to build a national, you know, car network. To, you know, like a, like a national 911 spectrum thing. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we all have cell phones now. That's completely stupid. It's a waste <laughs> of time. And they're still, they were sitting on the spectrum. And finally, the Trump administration said, okay, we're coming, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, we're coming in, we're helping you consolidate on the spectrum, we're clearing a bunch of it, and we're auctioning it off, which they did, 2020. Um, so now you've got the Federal Aviation Administration complaining that we're going to interfere with uh, altimeters and other devices on the plane by having 5G on this 3.9 gigahertz is the spectrum. Again, this is, I don't want to get in the weed, you know, go down the rabbit hole weeds of various spectrum swaths and all that. But it's, there's actually a buffer between, of spectrum between what the, the, the companies want to use for 5G and what the FAA is using. Huh. So there's, there's, there's a buffer. There's, it's not right up against it. And two, 30 countries are using the spectrum we want to use for 5G wireless with absolutely no interference in, the, in, their, in those countries' aviation uh, equipment and, huh. and, and execution. And the spectrum, it's, it's spectrum. It's, it's science. It's physics. It works exactly the same in Botswana as it does in, uh, you know, in, in, in England, as it does in France, as it does in you know, uh, China. The spectrum works the same. The bands work the same. So if 30 countries are using this stuff and not having a problem, everyone saying that there's going to be a problem here is either an idiot or lying. Well, they, they just announced a, a two-week delay, apparently agreed that the, because of the FAA's concerns about the interruption with the altimeter and other uh, concerns of this new 5G interrupting uh, uh, aircraft, uh, the, the process of uh, air traffic, 
uh, they've agreed to delay it, which, of course, is, uh, to your point, getting in the way of getting there first with regard to 5G. All these delays, you think, you think the communist Chinese are, are running into problems like this? <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. And there's, if they are, they're certainly not listening to these people. Um, anyone who says it doesn't get listened to. They get <laughs> non-person. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is, again, this is another government impediment to us being first to 5G. So what can we do about it, Seaton? Well, I'm hopeful. You know, AT&T and Verizon are the two biggest wireless companies, obviously. And they've come out yesterday and said, yeah, we're not waiting. <laughs> we're, we're going ahead. We've, we've waited long enough. We've proven definitively that this doesn't affect anything in the, in the aviation industry. And, you know, without saying it, because, of course, they had to be more diplomatic than I do, shut up, we're doing it anyway. Yeah. And so... Hopefully, hopefully, that will be the attitude throughout the industry. And, and like I said, because AT&T and Verizon are the biggest, hopefully the, the smaller carriers will go, well, if they're doing it, hell, we'll do it too. Let's <laughs> uh, hope so. So uh, this conversation is leading to believe we're on the brink of having 5G. You, you talked about it as the, inter the uh, Internet of all things. Uh, Internet of things, yes. Internet of everything. I stole it from... The, the, the common phrase is Internet of Things. I, I stole from Stephen Hawking, the, the Internet of, every, of, of, of everything. Yeah. And it's going to be all your stuff talking to the Internet. You know, your car talks to the road, which talks to the stoplight up, up you know, a half mile ahead of you. And, you know, it's going to a lot of good stuff. Like, I'm a driver. I like to drive. You know, if, if the car can tell the road, hey, I'm coming, and there's no one at the stoplight, well, then they'll flip the stoplight for me. Hey, I'm a big fan of that. I like that. Uh, but it's, it's obviously there's there's a million things bigger than that that will be coming from from the Internet of Things, and you need a lot of spectrum because what you're doing with these pizza boxes, obviously, you need a lot of them condensed. It's not one antenna that travels hundreds of miles of signal. It's 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 everything is connected, so you need a lot of pizza boxes in a town. I live in you know we're in Naples. You're in Naples. Marco Island, I saw a couple months ago, there was a company going around putting up 5G antennas in Marco. Yeah. And you put up a bunch, and they talk to each other, and that provides the close-distance communication ability to have all these different devices on the web. And by the way, if we're going to have everything on the web, and China's the one setting the rules on data safety, I'm not very comfortable with that. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. See, I found this conversation so fascinating and interesting. I really appreciate your preparation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Talk to you soon. And you as well. Thank you, Seaton. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Linda is the author of Greetings from Paradise. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. 
For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you and we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty. Uh, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She is the author of Greetings from Paradise. She's also my lovely wife, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. Morning. Good morning to you, Linda. I think you turned that. Uh, I don't think we're hearing you. Good morning. Oh, good morning to you. Are you? Am I there? Yes, you are. Hey, we're getting a little bit of a cold front coming through here with lots of winds. Kind of a. Uh... Well, thank goodness we're in Florida and not in Virginia right now. I just saw in the. News where all these cars are backed up on I-95, um, not far from Fredericksburg, Virginia, where they've been stuck after some 18-wheelers jackknife, and they've been stuck for over 24 hours oh in the goodness. freezing cold. Oh, my goodness. Well, it is that time that's of a, year. That's a big deal. And, and, oh, by the way, I hate to do the weather on your show, but there's another cold front that's coming down from uh, Canada that's, that's just going to reinforce all that air up there. I'm, I'm just... Thank the Lord we're living in Florida. Yeah. Hey, uh, what's interesting to me is this, this is a very disturbing story that I uh, read this morning about one America life insurance company announcing the results of uh, claims that they've had because of, uh, and we're not exactly sure why, we can only surmise what's going on, but apparently the death rates among 40, 18 to 64-year-olds is up 40%, and uh, they claim that actually... If it was up only 10%, it would be once in 200-year catastrophe. So something's going on. We're not sure what it is. So one easy conclusion to jump to would be the fact that it's caused by the vaccines. We don't know that, though. That, that information is preliminary. I have a feeling that it's going on more often than just there. Mm-hmm. That's what we know about. But but the fact that Steve Kirsch talked about this on uh, Steve Bannon's show yesterday, and it was absolutely amazing. It, it, it's 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 horrible. Yeah, for for our listeners' benefit, Steve Kirsch, who is he? Um, he's a graduate uh, of MIT. He's 
people call him a conspiracy theorist. In fact, our friend who lives in Switzerland um, said, "Can you can you fill me in a little bit more about him?" But but he he's been banned like those of us who have who have speak truth to power have been banned from Twitter and all these other places. So you know he's 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 a, a good guy. Yeah. So so I'm reading I'm getting his information from uh, our friend Kathy Stassen, and, and and now I've logged onto his. Um, his material on on Substack, which is where where people can actually speak freely and write there. That's where Alex Berenson, that guy who's been on mm -hmm. Tucker a long time, talking about um, COVID nineteen and and the vaccines and all stuff. He he went there too because he was banned from Twitter and and yeah, Facebook. Dr. Malone's tw uh, banned from Twitter. Apparently, had a half a million followers, and uh, now he's got to you know, restart his entire process. It's unfortunate because what, they're actually interrupting Twitter or these Facebooks. They're actually getting in the way. It's not disinformation. It's actually new and valuable information that they're prohibiting, which is really bad for the American people. Well, it, what's so funny is bad for Facebook, Twitter, and, and YouTube because they're, they're like in a circular firing squad. They're, they're just making people say, really? What are you hiding? Yeah. Why can't we know what you're, why are you censoring us from all this information? Uh, YouTube, um, regarding Dr. Malone, uh, YouTube is working every which way to Sunday to try and censor all of the, all of that uh, famous, now famous interview he did with Joe Rogan um, the other day about, about Fauci and about the vaccines and all this stuff that was just so mind blowing. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to censor it and people are going, wait a minute, why are you censoring it? Why can't we listen to it? Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Oh, by the way, Joe Rogan, you probably have already said this, but Joe Rogan has a, Huge, huge following on his podcast. In fact, he went with I don't know what what station they paid him gazillions of dollars to to be on the station. But he's he's like a WMF fighter or whatever. But now he's doing a podcast. He's very very popular. He had he has over um, seven million followers. Hmm. And so so Malone did this interview with Joe Rogan, which just lit up the internet and whatever. And and Malone said. You know, I was banned from Twitter, so now I'm on Getter. So Joe Rogan says, okay, I'm going to get on Getter too. Meanwhile, now Getter is blown up because all of Joe Rogan's followers have, have followed him to the tune of 7 million followers wow. on Getter. Yeah, I heard uh, several hundred thousand people a day now are starting to move to Getter. And uh, it, the nice thing about Getter is they have their own platform, so they're not going to be discontinued because of Amazon and uh, their cloud. And they're not going to be discontinued because of the uh, liberal philosophy or fact checkers, as it were. So, so I just don't understand. I mean, these these people at at Twitter. By the way, Twitter Twitter censored their own former uh, CEO. Yeah. <laughs> which which is like, what are you afraid of? And and between Twitter and Facebook and Getter, remember the little story of um, when you were little called Little Black Sambo, yeah. where the tigers um, joined. Sure. Joined tails and went round and round and round until they disappeared into a, a vat yeah, of butter. butter right. Facebook and Twitter and and uh, YouTube are doing the same thing. They're just they're they're just going to be talking to themselves in the mirror before long. Yeah. Well, it's it's a shame because uh, the American people are not getting full and fair disclosure on what's going on. And uh, you know, one of the things about the Nuremberg Code which is so important coming out of the Second World War when uh, all these people were being killed by the Nazis, is that uh, people should have full and fair disclosure and have uh, be able to make informed consent about what's happening with their bodies. And I'm, I'm 
fearful that people are not getting good information now and making decisions based on less than full information. And the consequence is what we're seeing with One America Insurance Company was 40% of people between the ages of a 40% increase in the deaths of people 18 to 64. You know, I, I think I told you this yesterday. Things are going to get real, real interesting. In fact, they already are because uh, the emergency use uh, authorization. authorization is up on January 15th. Hmm. So um, what what are the drug companies going to do? What are, what are all these? Um, well, they can, will they renew the authorization? Won't it just take a president executive order to renew it? I don't know, but there's all this information on it. But wait a minute. What about the, what about the Pfizer uh, vaccine that was authorized by the FDA? Well, guess what? That, that isn't available in the United States. And, and that was a bait and switch by the Biden administration. They don't want anybody to know that. Yeah. They think people, people, they want people to think they're getting the FDA I know, and, and the further, uh, I heard from Dr. Malone, I believe it was, that said the reason why they're pushing right now for kids to get vaccinated, because once they get approval for kids to be vaccinated, that, they, uh, that prohibits people from suing or holding uh, the vaccine companies like Pfizer accountable financially for any harm that's done. Well, you not only heard that from Dr. Malone, but Robert F. Kennedy did a, did a oh. spot specifically on that point. Um, these people are evil. Yeah. They're just evil. By the way, let me just mention quickly, um, getting back to Steve Kirsch. Um, he's working with Dr. Malone and Robert F. Kennedy. They're, they're having a rally on January 23rd mm. on, the, on the mall in Washington, D.C., which should scare the living, you know what, out of uh, Pelosi and all these other people. But, but it's, it's following along what the rest of the world has been doing. It's stop the mandate gathering. Yeah. So I, I would like to put in a plug for a book that both you and I have read, which is Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. It is a must-read for all Americans who are concerned about what's happening in this country, and uh, it is shocking. If you don't want to get the book, get it online like, like you did with yeah. the larger print. $2.99 is great it will, yeah, for the larger it, print. <laughs> it will rock your world. It, it will rock your world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that, that um, somebody said on, online that this morning when I was reading, that, um, oh, I know, Dr. Malone was on Laura Ingram's show last night. I, did, I saw a little clip of it. And, and he just shakes his head, his head about Fauci. He says, and he's been doing it for years. For years, absolutely. I mean, all the lies and deceit with regard to AIDS have just been incredible. Well, Linda, I just genuinely appreciate you. my time up already. <laughs> yeah, we got to have you on longer. I really appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, coming up, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, who's the chairman of the Cato Institute. Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be with us, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. His latest is a, a book he wrote, co-wrote with Buzz Aldrin about the uh, space program. Always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.